everybody. Welcome to the Faith and Fandom Podcast, a podcast where we interview cool, nerdy people in the intersection of the faith community as well. Uh, Faith and Fandom Podcast, as you know, is now part of the Love Thy Nerd Network, and you can check out interviews there first uh, before you see them anywhere else. And you can always find past interviews over at faith and, at lovethynerd.com slash faithandfandom. Today, in his very first podcast with anyone ever, someone I am meeting for the first time. Sounds we've like ab- yeah, we've absolutely never done this interview from the front seat of a pickup truck at a park <laughs> ever. It's like that one meeting uh, with yeah, Dr. Horrible and Captain Hammer <laughs> in the laundromat. We are meeting for the first time now. <laughs> um, yes, I have, I have never seen this man before. Uh, I have the pleasure of introducing you if you don't know this man for odd reasons. Uh, this is Chris Poirier, and I probably still said his name wrong. No, you actually that that that's actually right. Yes. How do we say your name again? Who are you? Yeah, dude, I say your name like every time wrong. Just like people say my name all the time wrong. Okay. Um, mirror, mirror, um, mirage. Oh. Uh, but uh, Chris Poirier uh is someone I've known for a hot minute, and yeah, a minute or two has been uh, you've been a bit of a like nomad in the spiritual and nerd community <laughs> um you know you a bit of the pilgrimage in some different ways across your journey and yeah um, yeah that's like, true you need one of those like supernatural intros of uh <laughs> the road so far and then some kansas kick in um <laughs> but uh so like tell us who you are tell us your background like because like you haven't always had uh geeky jobs and such like who you be who who be who be me yeah who be you uh i i'd be i'd be uh the chris poirier or the crispy as eloquently known because nobody wants to learn how to say my name um which is fair but i am originally from the wonderful state of vermont which is way up there if you're looking at a map of the united states it's practically canada we like moose and maple syrup and that's that's what i got (laughs) but i grew up there um doing all kinds of craziness as a young person should but yeah technically my career started as a volunteer firefighter that looped into becoming an emergency manager that looped into becoming a counterterrorism specialist and doing intelligence type stuffs for the United States government. And all that's just his D and D character. Right. And that's it. And that was my first character I rolled. That was a rogue arcane trickster. Yeah. Let's go that. Um, and then God was like, cool story, bro, but no. And so halfway through a federal career, I went to seminary and while in seminary, I met random people like Hector and also started working for my local comic shop because um, seminary doesn't pay bills. It takes money for all of you aspiring ministry folks out there. It costs money. I don't know how many like just based on the spiritual climate of clergy. These days, I don't know how many aspiring. Yeah, how many how many people really want to spend another 30 grand just to get another piece of paper to take a job that won't pay you? That part. Do ministry. <laughs> um, 
and that's kind of where I fell into the intersection of spirituality, Christianity, et cetera, and pop culture and fell deeply, deeply in love with my 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 nerdy self. <laughs> and being being my true self as a Christian and as a nerdy person. And so a lot of stuff from there kind of built out from doing that. Hector and I started doing conventions and doing talking about things like faith and in pop culture and whatnot. Then he had me on some podcast I've never heard of um, from the front seat of my pickup truck at a random park in Benson, North Carolina, near a Waffle House, because those were all of the requirements. Um, We're in the South. You can't go 10 miles without a Waffle House or a Dollar General. I'm in freaking Georgia. No kidding. Um, the the joke is, I, I literally heard this on the radio, you know, because I think October is preparedness month or whatever. I should know these things. Given my actual background, it's October or September. And someone pointed out, they're like, what's your family's like meeting place and escape plan? And people are like the, the closest waffle house that's open because it will be. And it's like, actually not, not a bad point. Um, uh, <laughs> South so, of the border is always mine for a straight up zombie apocalypse. That's true because if you're if you're gonna go out, that that's that's the backdrop of the movie right there. Well, it has the tallest one access facility. Um, mm. the mm-hmm. South of the Border Tower is the yep. tallest thing in my county, outside of the hospital parking deck. That actually is frightening and also kind of makes sense now that I think. Okay. Noted. <laughs> it's got one elevator and one staircase. That's good. You're right. All right. Kill, kill the elevator. Uh, block off the staircase at the bottom. Good to go. Good to go. Zom- zombie apocalypse, baby. Um, and it's next to a Waffle House. Oh, bad. <laughs> <laughs> Waffles and zombie brains. Let's go. Um. So yeah, after North Carolina and doing nerdy things, I ended up here in South Georgia to plant a church, but we mostly focused on actually helping our community and loving on our nerdy community. And we started this little thing called Columbus Got a Game. Yeah. So before before you left North Carolina, you were running uh, one of the one of the major conventions uh, in this region. Um, how did you go from? <laughs> comic shopping just like going to a comic shop to working at a comic shop to running a major show how did that get there so let me tell you children the story of yeah it's not that interesting the truth of the matter is and what's really great about doing geek ministry whatever insert whatever you would like here um is if you show up and you put in work and are willing to do really crazy hours of things, you will open a lot of doorways. So that pathway started with me literally volunteering um, at shops for things like free comic book day and other things into they went, hey, Chris is dependable and he shows up at things and is quasi intelligent. He knows what two plus two equals most of the time. Um, Can you answer a phone and can you use a computer? And I'm like, yes. And I started working at the comic shop not soon Later, bagging and boarding as one does when you start at a comic shop. Um, Slowly building my way and trust and everything (laughs) to position of manager of one of three stores. And then it became, hey, you can does other things, too. And I did a (laughs) I play a marketing slash web (laughs) 
person on TV and that's about it because self-taught for coding, uh, social media, marketing and all that stuff and started helping that stuff with the store, which then became the actual conventions. So I handled media and communications for the North Carolina Comic-Con, Oak City, uh, Greensboro were the three while we were still kind of cranking away at it. And then the joy of being on any con staff, you have a title. And then the fact that you do everything else at the same time simultaneously while not sleeping for four days. What was your uh, biggest? uh, What was your most fun moment in your con running years? And what was your biggest success? Man. Most fun is really hard. (laughs) Cause got to meet tons. Of, I still talk about it. And I know you talk about it as well is that we all have a convention family, right? Mm. That there are shows that we do over and over again, or the show that is our show. And so you're used to seeing a certain set of people that I have always equated it to. It almost feels like what I imagine what, it, what like vaudeville or like the circus circuit used to be like 50 plus years ago, where you literally only, you're with this group of similar people and you travel all over the United States that as I go to different cons, I run into all the different people and I was like, Oh, and you're immediately family. Um, And it's just a neat feeling and all that. So, you know, part of my best thing is a lot of little moments of that um, cobbled together where people that I literally might only see once a year are as close as family in some places closer. Um, Sorry, mom. Not sorry. Um, and just the relationships that came out of that and to list them all would do a disservice to whoever I forgot. <laughs> um, success wise, I'd probably say. It was the combination of the last Oak City show that I did, which would have been. uh, 17 or 2018, I forget somewhere in there. Um, and we did Greensboro for the first time that year. And we just kind of like ripped the ripcord and dropped a show in a place and it happened. <laughs> so Greensboro was a really quick put together for the years that we did it. And we changed location in the middle of that show too, which means we had two different primary locations for that show, but we showed up, <laughs> the show went up, nobody died and nobody complained. So, um, I usually consider those a win. And the last Oak City, I felt like I had a fair amount of responsibility. And I gained probably a lot of my closest friends that year just because a lot of things I've focused on at shows is customer service and making sure that people actually enjoy being at your show. Because I know I've heard you say it and it's where I kind of stole the idea from is there are some shows that almost don't care you're there. Mm. including shows that you've literally paid money for the right to be there. They're still like, yeah, cool. Thanks for coming out, I guess. And well, I mean, the I, shows I've done for a decade and the showrunner still couldn't point me out of a crowd. Right. And that's kind of the thing is I was like, I, I feel like we should all be kind of mutually beneficial. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Um, those are probably the two big ones. I think one of my highlights, you know, I meant it was obviously just, you know, cool, but like, uh, leaving NC comic-con and going to, uh, 
what was it? Uh, Burger Fi with uh, was it Burger Fi? I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, so we went somewhere to eat with uh, Fua. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a really that was one of those moments because it was literally a table full of a handful of us that really only interact um that one the two times a year. And like I said, that that was that was family <laughs> at eleven o'clock at night enjoying burgers in the middle of Durham. One of the best comic artists out there who would go on to do Black Panther and then the Spider Spider Verse art for Across the Spider Verse and Somebody who's just had cool experiences and we're just like eating burgers and talking about Jesus and it's good. Yeah. Um, no, it's. It, I think that put you in a good place, though, for ministry aspects, because like a lot of the good contacts we've had for the pull list have been because of your con life. Like we had uh, Afua, we had Tamara Robertson from Mythbusters, we had Kevin Eastman from Ninja Turtles and uh, Vendetti. Robert mm-hmm. Venditti. Robert Venditti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, dude who made some just dope comics and like all of those because you actually were nice to people and ran a show. So right. What a what a concept. And, and there's a what... few there's a few other guys that it's like, I got them a tablecloth and I am good for life to them. That that's why I'm like, just just be nice to people. <laughs> oh, what was the Finch lady? Um oh Meredith. Meredith Finch, who did the Ruth. Ruth, Ruth book. What was her other book? The um, lots of a uh, few different things, but uh, it was like her her own creator, own property. It was like three books. Oh right, I completely just blanked. I have them. Um, yes, but if you're gonna hold, <laughs> I'd rather stand before Jesus and give an account of my life than try and actually list all the comic books I've read. Um, yep. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> uh. But with that, I don't think people realize how much of a social and connection piece you actually put into, not just you, but anyone, to run a con. Um, And, like, a con run well is a big ministry in itself. Um, And volunteer coordinators and volunteer ministry at a show can also be a huge uh, piece that actually does things with that. Uh, the you were serving at a church, um, and then you got into church planting. How was that transition? <laughs> like a two by four to the face by choice. <laughs> um, I I I think there's probably two or three different versions of church planters. There's we haven't planted yet, and the world is so amazing and exciting, and the world is my oyster and wonderful and perfect, and you're lots of energy and excitement then somewhere in the first one to three years when you realize how unbelievably difficult it is you feel like you got hit by something really hard <laughs> um or you ran into an immovable object um and then the other side of that is some combination of understanding that some of these things take considerably longer or being like cool that was fun I, I wish I knew a few things before I did that. Um, yeah. I'm somewhere between those two right now after having launched a church plant and then recently having closed that in favor of doing more um, ministry, parachurch-based ministry through Columbus God Game and some of our other activities because I'm I'm in the 
deep south of South Georgia. There's a church every three feet, but there's not many churches that are actually impacting their direct community by, well, as as we eloquently say here occasionally by not being a douche. Yeah. <laughs> um, that our, our goal is to hopefully be a positive um, church experience or running into people that hey, you guys sound like Jesus people, but you don't sound like the Jesus people that we know around here. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's that sounds accurate. I had a conversation yesterday with somebody that um found me in, uh, on TikTok. And uh, they were telling me how much they appreciate me now. They mm-hmm. And they literally said, well, I'm glad I didn't let Jesus get in the way. Mm. Um. Because things that things that give you pause for a millisecond. Yeah, because my profile just said Jesus or something on it. Like the TikTok profiles don't have like a lot of space. Right. They said, you know, I saw Jesus and that you were in the South and I was scared. <laughs> right. It's like those uh, are as the as the kids say, red flag. Well, and that's that seriously hurt my feelings. Like when it was said at first and I'm just like, no, I get it. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> some people that are like, I don't get it. I'm like, you might meet a few people that will change your opinion eventually. <laughs> well, and that's that's one of the big things in in doing anything people related, but especially gospel central people related, is that you're going to shape people's opinion of Jesus and you're going to f- shape people's opinion of different things. Um, yep. <laughs> so uh, you ended up moving to Georgia to church plant. Um, and before we get, before we got to Columbus, get, get, got game. Um, how was just your church plant experience in Georgia? Like what's your successes, your failures, your wins? Like, what was that like? Cause as a church planter, I got in, I got out. I'm never want to do that again. Um, uh, I'm probably there now, <laughs> but, um, well, the good news was our philosophy of finding community and then growing the church out of the community was probably the correct answer, um, which I think if you open 90 percent of books written on church planting, you're going to see some combination of the words I just uttered. Um, uh, so I, if you open a book on church planting, it's usually by someone who planted a church, hated it, never wanted to plant a church again. So they'd rather write a book about it than do it again. Or they were they literally were the lightning in a bottle and they wrote their version of the story and you read it and you go, that's not hard. And you try to do it and you realize that that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I think I had a professor in seminary that even said it. So point blank of if someone in a church planting book tells you they have the answer, they're wrong. <laughs> that was the optimistic <laughs> position placed on that of if you picked up a book and they're like, here's the solution, follow step one through five, they're going to lie to you. <laughs> uh, or it literally worked in their one circumstance and it is impossible to duplicate their circumstance anywhere on planet Earth. Um, you can't duplicate what the spirit creates. Right. And coming to terms with that is really, really complicated. <laughs> Because you're like, I did the thing. And even if you're like, I'm going to plant an Acts 2 church and everything's great. And you're like, I'm using the Bible. <laughs> it's great guideline. Um, but human beings are hard. So we built out of our community. And basically, I invited my D&D group to start studying the Bible with us. And six of them said yes. 
And six months later, we baptized two of them and we went, we did it. And then church planning became hard. <laughs> and <laughs> Hector's smiling and nodding because that's pretty much how that goes. Ask anybody that's church planted. You're like, yeah, fire. Great. And you do really good for six to 12 months. And then people start going, now what? And you're like, more of this. And they're like, nah. So we, we've done an awesome job here in the West um, of creating high expectations and then having people that are constantly looking to be entertained, for lack of a better word. Um, and then we get to have the, are you not entertained conversation? And they say no. And they go to the next new church that opened two blocks down the street, because that's pretty much how it works down here is everyone goes, ooh, shiny. Well, it's the next new thing, and you're looking for attractional based, and attractional base is not the healthiest way to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, even with that, I found that not only do people that bounce to a church, like a new church, will go to a church plant or a new church because they think this is going to be uh, something new and sexy. Um, they get there, they go through it. They realize how much work it is, and then they'll go back to a traditional church where they can sit and blend and bounce. Right. It's like, hmm. like you know what? I sat in this one church for ten years, and no one ever asked me to do anything other than pass a bucket. I'm going back there. Um, but church planting is hard. So, uh, baptizing people out of your D and D group—it's obviously a win. Um, what would you yeah. say is the hardest part? The hardest part, I guess, is exactly that of keeping making stuff stick after one years, two years, or people just being like, why aren't there 300 people here? And I was like, I, I, yes, to to your point, wanting to actually keep things focused on the word and the Bible and everything that. Uh, some people eventually are like, this is hard <laughs> and they, they don't want to have those conversations. Um, so we've had a lot of ebb and flow because of that. So yeah, it's, I think that's some of the difficulty is keeping the shine on something that keeps generations that are just like, Ooh, new shiny, um, focused is hard. Because it's not like we have new truth um, or anything like that. So it's not like we can be like, here's this part you didn't know about that. Which that is another sexy way to sell something is if you've discovered something new. Right. Right. And that and that's the other thing is that's why sometimes when I watch church marketing for other churches, I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) And people are like, oh, they're going to tell us the new secret. And I was like, do you want me to name the heresy? Like not being that guy, but at the same time, it's like who's that heretic? It's <laughs> um, yeah. Well, here we are. The well, let's just continue <laughs> modalism in the Aryan um heresy will forever live, and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, there's no such thing as a trinity. They're just three different dudes that hang out with each other, and I was like, yeah. Um, we actually had meetings about this. This one, we actually had a meeting about <laughs> um, 1500 the, years ago, <laughs> the church that I planted. Um, like I was only there about a year and three, a year and three fourths of a year. Like so okay. less than two years. And 
then I got moved to the more steady location um, just for <laughs> logistic reasons. Um, but like watching that place ebb and flow and even still working with the pastor who runs it now, it's like, you know, it's never easy. Um, right. And I remember like, and I think we've talked about this just because of church planting life. Uh, there was like, we, we were given a building to use for our church plant in that area. And uh, the guy who was kind of over planting was like, that's building's not big enough. Um, he's like, you, he's like, uh, you, you could barely fit 150 people in here. <laughs> and if, if only brother. And like, so me and the dude who would take over that church location when I eventually moved on, uh, were standing in the room face to face with this guy. And he's like, and he said this statement, he said, I can fill a room with 150 people on my own. And I literally believe <laughs> in my heart of hearts that God was in that conversation. And God said, bet. <laughs> right? I got, I got you. No and, like, and like, I think for like literally the past um, eight years, I don't know if they've ever had 150 people at one time. And I, I firmly believe, you know, God was like, you're not doing this on your own strength, sucker. Boom. <laughs> what, what did you what did you learn? I was like, mm, this ain't about me. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was part of it is I think. The thing that's so strange to me is large denominational church planting and finding people that do that. Right. Um, and. What is it that the way that they recruit is broken, to say the least, because even like I technically was assessed by the Southern Baptist Convention. So I went through their fairly stringent church planning selection process of which 95 percent doesn't really have much to do with faith, Um, which is why as I'm going through it, I was like that because them and a lot of other organizations basically have a, if you don't get the right outcome on your Myers-Briggs disc, insert whatever thing, Enneagram, <laughs> Strength Finders, et cetera, which they make you do like almost all of them, that if you're basically not the right type A type person, you which, don't have the gift of woo. R- right. That they say in not so many way of, well, you don't have the pieces that make what we've seen is a successful church planner. And every time I heard that conversation, I went, cool, where's room for the Holy spirit in this conversation? And they stop and they go, uh, and I'm like, cause what you just said without saying it is that nobody can be taught at all. Cause you don't have, you don't take those things and they go, Oh, here's some weaknesses we should work on. It's yeah. We're probably not going to proceed to put you to the field. And I know that they do this for missionaries too, in the, in the SBC. So, and other denominations, cause they want to have a way to basically rack and stack potential candidates. But I, I use this conversation a lot. They don't leave room for the Holy spirit and people's actual calling. Cause they'll ask you, do you feel called? And you understand we hear that conversation as pastors anyway of tell us how we got here 
And then you ask a bunch of human beings to discern whether that is truly a Holy Spirit gifted um, calling. And it's always weirded me out that you're going to take a bunch of imperfect, broken people <laughs> to decide whether a calling is truly true or not and use a bunch of very secular business tools to also then determine success. And it's like, okay. There's more room for the Holy Spirit at a middle school dance than in some church planting. hey <laughs> And when you said the thing about the SBC um, church planting stuff, and there's no knock to the Southern Baptist Convention, just mine my... sort of was. <laughs> Yours, you... shush, I didn't say that. Um, the <laughs> All I heard was like Eminem lyrics where he's, uh, <laughs> where he says, and the FCC won't let me be, or let me be me. So let me, be. that's like, I heard that with the SBC and for you, like, and the SBC won't let me be. And that's <laughs> kind of true. Uh, my, my fun seminary story, my last year I was writing for the great commission center at Southeastern. Um, and they approached me and asked me if I would write on faith and society. And I'm like, dope. Absolutely. Let me introduce you to some cool nerdery that I want you to, to write about. They're like, no, no, no. We want you to write about what it was like being a fed and being a Christian. I'm like, nah, but what, what they're like, it'd be an interesting story. I'm like, I'll save you the ink and the time. I was like, do you know what it's like being a, a fed and a Christian? They're like, nah. And I'm like, pretty freaking hard because you could lose your job at lunch if you hold a bible study and the wrong person takes it the wrong way <laughs> um which is unfortunately a lot of people <laughs> so do you have the freedom to do that yes but there are very strange rules when you're a fed and you you hold up your right hand to defend the constitution and then usually sacrifice a couple of those rights yourself in doing so so Anyone that served in the military gets that. <laughs> um, but it it's it always felt that way to me because it's just it's hard. But then I told Southeastern I'm gonna write about geeky stuff, and they're like, cool, you do you, no one will read it. And I was the most read article that year at Southeastern. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I was like, hey. That's your flex, the seminary that, nerd. That's my seminary cool. flex, yeah. <laughs> So you went from church planting in Georgia and, and out of that came the offshoot of Columbus got game and what that is. So tell me what it, Columbus got game is, what the heart of it was, what the heart of it is, et cetera. Yeah. So as I said, when we got here as a church planner and a former intelligence officer, <laughs> which always sounds weird, I always look at a community and I'm looking for are, needs. Are you, the, are you the Christian nerd community's Tom King? Shh. Tom King might be Tom, the Christian nerd community's Tom I know, King. He might which, be. Because it's still weird to me that he does all this really faith heavy stuff and then people ask him and then he does the, is it though? And I'm like, yeah. it's either incredibly creative or you're a wuss. It's one of the two. Don't know. <laughs> we love you, Tom. Go. <laughs> right. So yeah. Please, please, please be on the show sometime. I'm sorry. Dude, I'd love um, it would be the whole hour of me like, I love everything you do. And my this. entire and my entire <laughs> except, you for, except a, for there it is. <laughs> yeah, dragging your dead mother through the desert in a coffin. In a coffin. There it is. Um, listen to our show, the Polis Podcast, to understand this running joke and why it's kind of painfully funny. Um 
and I'd spend the entire hour talking to Tom King, asking him about CIA day stuff. So you would, really, you would. He'd be like, "Hey, hey, hey, Tom, do, do you remember when this happened?" And he'll be like, "It'll be like the Chris Farley interviews on SNL." That I'd be like, "Do, do you do you remember that?" They'd yes. be like, "Yeah," and they'd be like, "That was awesome." Yeah. <laughs> um, because I'm still an intelligence nerd. So, but yeah. What that means is when I look at a community, I want to see where there are difficulties, problems, and things that I can potentially assist in. Intelligence officers care about that because that's how you gain information from people. You can pay people money all day long and they will give you information and it is bad. If they need water, food, and et cetera, and you can secure it for them, they will be considerably more honest with you um, because you have met life needs. That is what my secular life taught me that you can then apply almost every single gospel reality on top of and go, oh, if you treat people like human beings and like they are created in God's image and everything that, you know, people get along and stuff. And it's like, yeah, they kind of do. Isn't that crazy? It's it's almost like we were built this way. It's so weird. Um, and we found a community that has a bunch of nerds in it that nobody really cares about. And that really depressed my wife and I because we were like, nerds are people too. Um, so we built Columbus Got Game to be a safe space, a thousand square feet that people can play video games, tabletop games, or almost anything that they find enjoyment in and not have to pay for it. Because we have a lot of folks that are below the poverty line here. It is a very blue collar um, community. There is an echelon of people that have more money than like it. It's painful how much money they have, <laughs> but the rest of the community is constantly looking for what can I do other than drugs or shoot at people? And unfortunately, that's not <laughs> over the top commentary. That's kind of where we live um, is the kids pretty much don't have anything to do. Um, so we aim to fill that gap with Columbus Scott game and offer a cross section of different types of events throughout the week and at different times so that kids have a place that they can go and do things and hopefully not have to interact with what's going on on the street, um, et cetera. So, so like you, I know you've done like D and D you've done, uh, a Nintendo game that shall not be named now, according to the new <laughs> rules. I have no idea what Nintendo things I have ever done or ever will do. And you don't know if they've you've owned a Nintendo, but is a Nintendo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, <laughs> that Nintendo passed a new, what new new. Yeah. So as we're recording this, Nintendo literally released new community guidelines about community hosted events, which can include tournaments. Um, it can even include just community hosted events, which is why a lot of us are like, so none of us can do anything unless we follow the 70 pages of rules or we have a license from you of which most companies that have negotiated direct licensing agreements with Nintendo spent a minimum of three to five years to negotiate said licenses. Um, you're now saying we all have to have that, including like all the way down to a school group wants to play another school. If you introduce a third school, you can't do it anymore. And that's just stupid. And if you also use their branding, their names, anything in the fact that you're hosting said event, then you're in violation of their rules that it it's a lot of the community is having very convoluted conversations today. Cause we're not sure what on earth Nintendo's trying to do, 
But what they accomplished in doing is upsetting anyone that uses their product, except for literally two companies that hold the licenses right now. Yeah. Isn't that great? Community is great. Also, dang it. <laughs> so how is how has it been running Columbus <laughs> uh as a like free entity for people? Uh, complicated in that free means free <laughs> and non-profit means non-profitable. Um I know that's not the point of said term, but um it has been difficult. We've been able to get three years of existence, um still alive, not be in debt, etc. So that's good. Two years of being in our physical space. Um so it's constantly a challenge. Like any nonprofit, fundraising is a thing. Some people are all about it a lot. Basically, it's kind of like most churches that 10% of the people attend are the ones that are doing all of the work and actually funding its existence. And that's a, that's about what it is, um, which is fine. Um, it's just if it ever goes away, we probably go away. So literally had a staff <laughs> meeting yesterday where... Um... Because we've got a new pastor on staff uh, who's pastoring the church plant that I started. Mm. Um, and like uh, our executive pastor said, let me make this clear. As it stands, <laughs> there are five families that give generously more than everybody else. If those five families stop giving. We're done. He's like, minus the Holy Spirit, drop kicking a miracle and, you know. It's that. Right. So, so it's just the support of a few people um, can really make a big difference when it comes to ministry endeavors. So like finances have been obviously struggle with that. What else has been your. um Consistency, which is also a church planner problem. Um, like I said, it's not just churches that if something new and shiny opens that people will be like, Ooh, that's true in general. <laughs> um, it's and, bubble tea here. Yeah. So I think we're going on our third bubble tea. So that's probably a thing. So, so there was a one bubble tea spot in Fayetteville called LOLT. <laughs> um, and then there were like the mall ones and nobody counted the mall ones because they were not good. Um, a second place opened within one year of the second bubble tea place opening just in the last six months we've had nine bubble tea places open across Fayetteville um I don't live in Fayetteville but that's where I go for comics but like literally I've got a route where I drive from one side of Fayetteville to the other and I will pass nine different new bubble tea establishments but shiny happy doesn't isn't exclusive so yeah you had you had no. other people that had ideas like you so a for-profit um entity came into town which literally is play space but you have to pay by the hour or by the event etc so there was some of that um honestly our two communities kind of balanced out um because <laughs> people that want to pay for it are good and people that don't want to pay for it are not going to pay for it and so that happened. We also did a lot of events with um, the local parks and rec, which gave us, you know, an increase. So we're finding that where we partner 
we could do more and more people do things, but um, anything that opens that's new, shiny or adjacent draws people's attention for three to six months. And then everyone kind of resets and redecides what they're doing. So our, our, our numbers ebb and flow in really weird ways. That's I can't make sense of we've over our three years, we've had nights where nobody shows up. And then the next weekend, 50 people show up to our more common is 10 to 20 people um, for event. I can't tell you which night that's going to be on any given day. Um, That's probably one of our bigger challenges is I can't tell you whether I'm going to have too many people and not enough people to even because if we're doing D&D or things like that, and 50 people show up, it's like, hi, (laughs) Um, I need six DMs and I've got one. (laughs) Um, So some of that's been the challenge is volunteers that want to be consistent because that's the other thing i know it seems weird but if i say that we play D &D every monday night (laughs) i kind of hope people will show up every monday night especially my volunteers and sometimes we've had a lot of folks that that's really great and then we've had others that i can't set a schedule and i know it's shocking a set schedule for D D is is a unicorn and we cancel because <laughs> we have to. Um, it's the joys of it for sure. What uh, game or property or uh, experience has surprised you by how much it got traction? I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by it. But if I'm looking at the overall space probably on the video game side more than tabletop. A lot of people today would probably find what I'm about to say insane, but at the same time, if you back up, it makes sense. And that's how Valorant got so stinking explosive in the competitive esports space. Makes sense for the type of game it is, but the fact that a shooter came out of a company that makes battle arenas and that it didn't suck, I think actually shocked all of us that it it is in the process of unseating it. Riot's in the process of unseating itself as the top of the esport pyramid in League of Legends is slowly dying and Valorant is taking its place, that there are not many companies that are going to s- succeed at literally replacing themselves in an entirely different genre uh, of sounds games. like discipleship it yeah right <laughs> and it's so it's so wild um to watch because they're the two major worldwide competitive things and just to make everybody's head hurt riot's been figuring out that also the way that they build community and get people interested in their product is that the world that all of their stuff takes place in is shared which means all the lore is shared. So with all of your characters from League and all of your characters from um, Valorant and they have a fighting game coming out that looks promising that they're hoping to introduce into the space as well. Um, Again, all the characters, like anyone that is functioning inside Riot's universe knows who these people are and how they all interact. And that's just insane. (laughs) um 
that and Riot also literally produces two to three songs a year for their major events. And whoever runs that division is freaking gold. Um, if you're into that K-pop scene slash anything else, literally just go look up um, Riot's world songs from the past decade. And that list is a banger. Like, I'm not even hiding that I listen to K-pop and other random EDM adjacent stuff and that that's a good hype mix <laughs> and and that they do really cool videos that are based in their world for all of them because they're designed to be basically major tournament kickoff events and it that company was nobody um 10 years ago they they were just everyone's like cool league of legends takes a really long time to play and there's how many characters to it's being played all the way down to middle school level competitively and across the world and that people that compete in that space at a high tier are making more money than professional golfers that's that's the best way that i can make those comparisons for people because people are like so how does the pro esport thing work and i'm like they're golfers for all intents and purposes, their money pots are very similar and they get paid to wear sunglasses, hats, and t-shirts. But yeah, I did not expect Valorant to be what it is today. So what would you say is your biggest wins that come out of uh, Columbus Cup game? I think the biggest thing that we found is that we can do just about anything in Columbus, Georgia, if we apply the correct amount of physical and mental pressure to things that we we can help and we can find the right partners to do just about anything here. And we have. We started we helped start a second nonprofit that focuses on street hockey and ball hockey, which has almost nothing to do with nerdy stuff, but is over here doing other things so that we could reach other kids that might not play video games, but need something to do. So we just got together and went, can we do this? And we, we did. <laughs> it took us less than three months to launch that organization and start holding events. Um, So a big win for us is we are now part of this community that people, people know that I'm the nerd pastor um, or that I'm the guy that does really like video game based stuff or other things here in town that if any of those words get uttered, they're like, are you talking to Chris? Like I've heard back from other people that are like, I got shadow introduced to you by people that I'm not sure you even know who they are, but they know who you are. And I'm like, I don't know if that's creepy or good. Um. And then just realizing that a lot of our stuff, the thing that I've constantly received over the years, but we hear a lot here is you're not like the rest of them. And I used to take offense to that, but then after having met a lot of the rest of them <laughs> over the last five to 10 years, I'm starting to understand that what, what God has done is placed me in very weird, strange places to be the normal person um i'm starting to take offense to the number of people that call me not weird in a space that's really weird <laughs> but when they what they say when they mean that is they don't expect to get beat to death by someone holding a bible or screamed at or 
whatever. And we just have provided opportunities for people to ask questions. The number of people I've run into over the last three years here that are like, pastors don't let us ask questions that I'm like, that's dumb. <laughs> um, you have to ask questions in order to receive answers and to actually work some of this stuff out. Um, and a lot of those questions suck. <laughs> so a lot of win for us is people are like, do you trust us enough to ask us those questions? Um, so for us, a lot of it has just been, we've been lucky to be able to just keep doing things. So in that space, um, you've recently, like your church plant you mentioned is folded back in. Yep. Um, what does that do for you? Like, <laughs> uh, like in what you're doing and how you're doing it. So what that did for us is actually allowed us to focus more on where we were actually reaching people. Cause a lot of the stuff towards the end of our church plant fell back into kind of some denominationalism of, well, when are you meeting on Sundays and where are your 75 people? And we're like, we're reaching 20 people really well that are happy to meet on Thursday nights and open the word and actually talk about God. So at the end of the day, what it ended up doing for us is I have an entire entity. I don't have to administrate anymore. I was technically having to maintain business from a business perspective, a nonprofit that was a church. So all of its finances, all of its insurance, like that thing costs me um, almost a thousand dollars a month to run a church, a thousand plus dollars a month to run Columbus got game. Now, granted, relatively speaking, those numbers are low. I understand that. Those are low, <laughs> but when you have zero doll hairs, um, pretty much coming in to support anything that is $2,000 more than anticipated going into those positions. And technically Columbus got game was doing all of the work that the church was, but the church made denominational people feel better about the fact that we were doing the Columbus got game thing over here. Um, and I'm like, I think I want to just put money and effort into the thing where the Holy spirit's actually doing things, which sounds weird because there's a church over here, but that was our reality was we were, I, our church technically was Columbus got game and vice versa. Um, and frankly, I didn't start there because I had a bunch of mentors and friends from seminary that are like, you don't build a nerd church. You just don't. And I made the mistake of believing them for about five plus years. And now I'm staring at people going, cause they're like, Oh, you'll never find enough people to do that. And I'm starting to look at my community now and go, if I'd opened a nerd church, I'd probably have a hundred people today, which is like mind blowing to me in retrospect. So what all of this has done is actually functioned as more than likely a, a Holy spirit led um, educational process of nah, you, 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 you was right. And you were, you were hearing the right voice, but then you, you did the thing. Cause I like the intelligence guy. I mean, likes cold, hard facts and numbers and paths and everything. And I had people that I trusted that are like, yeah, don't do that. That doesn't work. And what they meant was, I don't understand this. It's weird. So therefore it won't work. And there's a huge difference, right? 
because well, I catch myself doing that a lot. Like, um, yeah, because I granted, I trust you to actually be responsible and listen and to God. <laughs> um, I, I deal with a lot of people sure. who are just making terrible life choices. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it's just like me telling them, don't, don't do this. Yeah. Like, don't, no. <laughs> like, please don't. Um, but like I, that learning to actually discern the spirit versus even what other people consider wisdom yes. is hard because like, just because it doesn't make it. What was it? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to attribute it to John Acuff, um, but it's anybody could have said it that uh, um, when the Holy Spirit called you, it wasn't a conference call. <laughs> right, yeah, right. That's good. <laughs> um, right. Cause that's, cause that's why when people ask me, you know, I I've, I've since changed a bit. Um, I think as I realized what my purpose was becoming, or I was being prepared for that. It's, no, I, I tell people I'm in geek ministry. I don't even pull that punch anymore. Um, and that because a, that opens a conversation for what, what on earth do you mean? Um, but B, it also is right. And I was like, cause technically we're called to all the nations, all the people, all the things. And well, who, <laughs> who's our guy or who are our, who's our crowd. And, you know, from meeting guys like you and guys like Mike Perna and all the other folks through LTN and even Geeks Under Grace and like, again, on and on and on is, A, we're not alone, but we're still few that are occupying this space. And the thing I get a lot of, especially I've been having this conversation more and more lately, is a generation of younger kids that are just like, I go to your church you're not weird. You don't sound crazy. And I'm like, no, but just to be clear, some of the things that you think are crazy, I probably agree with. So don't separate. It's just, you've had a bad experience and I respect that. And I definitely am empathetic about that. I was like, but that means now we can hopefully get down and have a difficult conversation, which, Hey, we might still disagree about at the end of the day. But it's cool for you to hang out and keep asking questions is my main thing. Um, because I think the biggest disservice we as big C Christian church, especially in the West, don't do well is whenever somebody looks different, feels different, does things different, et cetera, we're just like, you go stand in corner. D don't ask those questions that we don't do that here or you don't belong here is like the entry point to that conversation period. Right. Um, I'll have the hard conversation at the end of the day, but people who are seeking are not going to show up on day one and get it. I usually and, find that I have more problems with people who think they've already got it all. Right. And but, the, yeah. <laughs> there's, like, oh, okay. There's, there's like one dude in my theological community, pastoral community, who uh, is very, he thinks he's Spurgeon. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I do think, I think like he tries to carry big Spurgeon energy. And <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I was talking. To, he's I was got a big Spurgeon beard though, right? Yeah. 
Okay, just checking. Um, and I had mentioned something about uh, he was crapping on a bunch of churches that were making a similar decision, and I said I really do think this falls into a Romans fourteen category, and you know Romans fourteen is discernment over like what makes you stumble, et cetera, et cetera. He's like mm-hmm. Romans fourteen is just about eating meat. I'm like, <laughs> what? He's like, it's just about eating meat, nothing else. And I'm like, and I sent him to Jim Halpert, like, me. Right. And, but I was just like, and so, like, I found myself, like, judging that dude more than I've judging anybody on the other community end of things, but it's hard. (laughs) People are like, what's it like being a pastor? It's, it's like that. I saw I saw this dude at the Switchfoot concert, and I'm like, it's that. Don't you come over here with your bad theology. You stay over there. You say, hey, hey, you guys, stay with you. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a douche. Um, <laughs> but Jesus wept. Um, and I'll say this, like, y- like even when you were telling me like your original plans for all this, like I I <laughs> hope I was a supportive spirit. Um, and it, I mean, technically, even telling me I'm crazy is supportive in some way. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say you were crazy, did I? No, I hope, I hope not, not. Not that I recall. Okay, good. Um, but I'll say this: like, I mean, it took a lot more like spirit alliance on you to do what you did than like a lot of what I do because, like, I do little bursts of I'm gonna go out here and come back home, and if I lost four hundred dollars, when? Um, <laughs> I know. Oh no. Um that air that adds up but like to just go out there and say hey i'm gonna put my whole all my eggs in this basket that's a that's a bold step dude (laughs) yeah um we do have that conversation occasionally with folks that i mean technically it all was and that's why once we got here to okay this is going to cost us money that we have but we also don't have (laughs) um that we spent it um Because even coming out of government and into ministry, I guess I just got used to being literally called crazy because I was to my face by multiple people. (laughs) When I resigned my federal career to go into ministry, they're like, I'm sorry, not just crazy. One person called me stupid to my face Um, because I was leaving a six figure job that was going to become a more than six figure job, but in a place that that buys you a tin can and. 600 square feet to live in and so it's like it literally became a am i living like your definition of living is working 13 hours a day commuting four hours a day do the math on what's left sleeping and making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year that you don't see any of because you're working 13 hours a day and paying for a house that you never see and we were just like, what's the point? And I constantly tell people this in the story in general of what I clearly was hearing the Holy Spirit say is you're doing good, but are you doing the good? And what I mean by that is we, especially in our culture, we're taught a lot about we'll feed the homeless and do this fundraiser for whatever. And those are all good things. They're like, don't, misunderstand me but in the same context of 
of the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, it's like, you could do that thing. And as a Christian, you can be like, here's your piece of bread. Yay. You're fed for the day. And if you don't give them the bread of life and talk about who Jesus truly is, that person's still going to hell. And I get that that conversation sucks for a lot of people. And that that's why a lot of Christians don't get a lot of hugs and Christmas cards. Um, because we start there in the conversation. Um, but so I was doing lots of good. I'm, I'm convinced of that, but it would basically was, you can use your energy to do other things that are also good. And the trade-off is that that does not come with a paycheck. (laughs) Um, a lot of times, but we've been very blessed in the sense that we've always paid our bills in that I've been able to use bits and pieces of my existence and a previous life to help do those things. And so after doing it the first time and being called crazy and stupid a bunch of times, I'm kind of like, okay, <laughs> uh, I I have zero issue because the, I, I, I take a Spurgeon approach from the perspective of if I got one, that's one. That is a number greater than zero. And that is one eternity changed. And the sooner you come back to those positions, I find that ministry becomes a lot easier. Um, The frustration of being a church planner over the last three years taught me what I kind of hated about denominationalism and other things of that, that became entirely a numbers game. And I was like, but that's not why we're here. (laughs) So it feels less crazy to do the thing where you actually see impact in a community um, after you've done some of those things. And I've served on larger churches, so I've, I've seen what comfortable looks like in the church and I wasn't comfortable in those places. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That's the tweet. That's the tweet. Um, Oof. Strategic discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Uh-huh. At the same time, I was like, I would love to have a staff job that I literally can punch a clock and get a paycheck that I know is coming every week. Um I, I've had but... so much church staff discomfort over the last three years that I constantly like find myself looking for an exit strategy, knowing I'm not gonna take it. But like looking <laughs> looking like i get indeed updates daily for like jobs i'm never gonna take but it's just like you know my my favorite is i get the the um christian headhunters that are like hey chris who do you know that's good for this job i'm like clearly not me (laughs) i'm in your database and you've contacted me for a referral not to actually interview me should that hurt my feelings (laughs) Mm. Fair. Every time I get one, I just want to be like me. <laughs> See what they say. So, how can people support uh, you and Columbus Got Game at this point? Ooh, um, gotgameGA dot is our website. Um, finances are a thing, so we're always looking for partners. Um, we do have a hand, a small handful of folks that pick up what we're putting down, understand our approach and how it's different, but that we are having an impact on our local community. Um, it It's not me just 
playing a bunch of games with my friends. A lot of those people are now friends, which is cool. And I dig that, but we've been very lucky and blessed to create a community that is also multicultural, which means they don't all look like this pasty white kid, um, that we are reaching the people across socioeconomic barriers and cultural barriers across our community that our community and culture is video games or tabletop games and that's what brings us together and so if if you're into that and you want to see more of that that's kind of you can donate there we're 501c3 so it's for your taxes um and 100 of that goes into us keeping the lights on and doing things i don't pull a salary from anything any of the work that i do there um we find that columbus got game is too important for me to uh, worry about like the floodgates open up. We will readdress that because everyone tells me I should never say what I just said as a nonprofit owner, always pay yourself. And I'm like, cool. But if I have to choose between us existing and not existing, it's always going to be, it goes towards us existing so that those kids have a place. <laughs> That's so, led to you doing some creative work on the side between it, it, <laughs> it, res it resulted in street hockey. Um, which was weird, but has been super fun. I I I think I told you this joke that I, I guess I'm slowly backing into becoming Kevin Smith. Yeah. I just I just need to start I need to fall in love with film and produce and write a bunch of movies that no one will see, but then fall in love with ten years later and become a cult following and we can add to our podcast empire and then oh my God, we're Kevin Smith. Yeah. <laughs> By our powers combined. <laughs> yeah we are kevin smith yeah <laughs> um and i i don't hate that either because i feel like that dude's using his second lease on life um to continue to be a positive influence like you can hate kevin for a lot of reasons but i still look at that dude and he's literally the story of i had a dream and i did it and the crazy thing is the other side of that dream actually connected to me being able to do this for a living and I constantly, that's where, cause so we went into street hockey. I'm wearing this hat that has this weird thing. that says bites on it. We're, we're going to open a for-profit restaurant slash retro arcade as well here in town. So we have a nonprofit so that people that don't have a dispendable income have a place to go. But now we're building a place for <laughs> how we pay our bills. <laughs> your for-profit is going to pay you and hopefully fund some of yes. your nonprofit. So. And a lot of our goal is that Columbus Got Game will be the social good aspect of the larger for-profit entity. Um, and street hockey is part of that too, because ownership is is shared amongst all these things. Um, so that some of my partners at that are part of street hockey and vice versa. Um, very active in the community at a civic level. Um, sat at a city council meeting yesterday, which is the less fun part of doing anything. I, I did one of those recently for a uh, <laughs> like restaurant arcade recently. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. Be civically involved. Just know that. Oof. <laughs> I could say just in watching what you've done, you've been more civically involved than most adults I know in their community. I, on top of leaving 
the Beltway and DC, where you literally, I used to tell people your national news is my local news (laughs) when I lived in DC. And they're like, I don't get it. I was like, the things that you guys are like, oh, that's happening in that far off land is like our day to day. Like that, that's our existence, Um, which feels weird, but um, there you have it. But you also felt completely unable to engage that it felt too big all the way down to a city the size of Columbus. That's 200,000 people. I found out that most cities can't beg people to join committees in their town. So if you are upset about something not working, find out what committee is in charge of it. There's probably a seat on it and asked to be appointed. It's going to suck and bureaucratically feel like lava. (laughs) Um, But if you care at all, you actually can have an influence and that's one of the best ways to do it. So I tell people you've got something on your mind or something pisses you off, put up or shut up. Um, and then when people yell at us for being engaged in the public square, I also look at them and go, you can too. Okay. A government changes the world. Saving the world one meeting at a time. When I used to do like a teen evangel or teen discipleship stuff, like through service ministry, we had a saving the world one dish at a time. Sure. <laughs> it's so, not the worst. It's not the worst. Um, I would rather wash dishes than sit in meetings, but yes. <laughs> uh, where can people find you on socials and follow your journey through all of your fun adventures? Great. So I am literally everywhere except TikTok. I have a TikTok, but I don't use it because I'm a bad person. Um, I don't know if that qualifies for that statement, but go on. Right? (laughs) Right? Um, But yeah, C-G-P-O-I-R-I-E-R. You will find me literally at the Twitter, at Instagram. Facebook, you can find me that way too, because that's my short. Um. LinkedIn, you can find me because I'm old and I'm LinkedIn famous now. Um, <laughs> I tell people that just to mess with them and they're like, what? And I'm I like, want one. it's kind of true. I started using LinkedIn like old people use Facebook and it is hilarious. So if I find a meme and I post it on Facebook, I post it on my LinkedIn too. And, and some people are just like, what is happening? And I'm like, it's who I am. I was like, it's who you're hiring. So... <laughs> You're welcome. I've started some interesting conversations doing it that way, though. Some people are like spicing up my LinkedIn feed. I'm like, that's what I'm here for, bro. (laughs) LinkedIn (laughs) has a feed? Yeah. Ooh. It's it's, it's business people Facebook, which is why I started treating it that way. And it became way more entertaining when I did. Dude, LinkedIn just sounds like taxes. I've just never even looked for real. You're not it. You it's it is fast. It's a it's a universe that is fascinating to me because those of us that technically have multiple aspects to our professional lives, when you're looking for work, LinkedIn should reflect whatever you're looking for. So my cross section of followers and people that I know on LinkedIn are firefighters, cops, intelligence professionals, <laughs> pastors comic book writers and publishers, game publishers and writers, esport professionals, 
esport commentators and it's just like half of these people see each other in the feed and i think look at each other and go why are you here it's that <laughs> meme from umbrella academy of them dropping by each other slowly like right it's like, <laughs> it's like well, what what's happening here well chris thank you for joining us here today um folks check out his socials check out his website check out the stuff he's doing um and buy some merch or support if you feel so led um and you know I have to say this, that Chris has been one of the biggest supporters of Faith and Fandom for the bulk of Faith and Fandom's existence. Um, like day one <laughs> Patreon supporters and uh, shared my booth with me and adventured with me and many <laughs> things uh, across the journey. And I can say that <laughs> your presence in the con circuit makes the con circuit better. Uh-huh. And it's great. I miss missed. it. I miss. I miss it. <laughs> it's greatly had, missed. I have a handful of friends that are like, "Would you open a comic book store if you could?" And I'm like, "Yeah, could." <laughs> <laughs> They're in the problem lies convention. Yeah. That might happen in the next five years. Yeah, I did my one convention. I'm done now forever. Um, <laughs> this was fun. I'm out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> leave, leave them wanting more. <laughs> um but yeah uh thank you for joining with us uh again you can find uh faith and fandom on the love thy nerd podcast network over at faith and com slash uh nope wrong said words backwards yeah what are you gonna do now mm-hmm. love thy nerd.com slash faith and fandom um you can check out other interviews uh bi-monthly is that the right thing to a month i don't know um and but you can also check chris and i out on the love liner network over at uh the polis podcast your bi-weekly source for comic book and comic book news i don't ever say that line so um yeah when i don't get to tell people to read more comics here um (laughs) so uh thanks for joining with us uh chris thank you for spending another morning talking to me <laughs> in your little padded room and uh <laughs> it's for our safety not his yeah what um, did what did church planning do to you pastor chris well <laughs> i'm in a padded room what's it say um thank you for visiting me <laughs> all right guys thanks so much and uh check out other podcasts on the love that nerd podcast network and uh like the pull list and humans of gaming and Uh, There's a new tabletop one and a lot of other cool things to experience. And thanks so much for joining with us. Bye.